0: Today's show is brought to you by Bombas. Save 20% on your first order at www.getbombas.com/holybackboard. Let's go! Let's go! Come on everybody! And
1: all right everybody welcome to the 63rd edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man
0: sage chilling in southern oregon ready to get this podcast started took a nap right before this episode feeling pretty good don't know how i'm going to sleep after it but i feel pretty good right now are you gonna
1: be a night out and just be up till like 5 a.m playing 2k
0: yeah maybe quite possibly I mean, if there's someone on that wants to play, hit me up at the Sage 504 on Xbox Live.
1: Is it the, is it the best iteration of 2K?
0: I have a, I have a love for 15, just because my player was just so, so dominant. But this is pretty So difficult. I've been getting
1: into 2K. I got 2K and I got FIFA for Christmas. So I've been playing those back and forth, but I really dove into 2K this weekend. And I was texting you and I was like... It, it, it's great. The gameplay is smart. The computer is the smartest I've ever seen it. Uh, the animations are, are really good, just especially, they actually call regular fouls. So it's definitely the most realistic, but in terms of flow, you're right. 15 was the game for me. It felt perfect. And also I feel like there's a little too much arc on all the jump shots in 17, but we're really nitpicking pretty much perfection here. And I'm...
0: Yeah, 15... The online play for me was just next level. I think, I i mean, I've calculated how many hours I've dedicated to those last three games, and it's very yeah, embarrassing, up, I won't tell up. you.
1: I don't know if you want to actually admit this number that's going to come
0: up. I mean, how many, three uh, iterations of 2K, how many days do you think I've played for three games?
1: Is it over a year?
0: No, thank God.
1: <laughs> 64 days
0: very close but i'm not going to let you guys know but it, it's definitely a- <laughs> hey my mom listens to every single one so she's going to know she has a 2k addict up in here so but it's all good i love that game it's it's fun you know basketball is one of my passions so being able to play a game that you really love is just
1: so i'm a big perfect. history buff especially when it comes to sports and nostalgia runs deep in me i love all of the retro gear i love watching all of the old games so being able to go back and play as either the 2000 or the 91 blazers is amazing i i've only played with the 2000 blazers once because as soon as i signed on i realized there's no Rashid wallace no Rashid wallace yes. is a no-go for me he was the 2000 Blazers. so he's also not on the 04 pistons so 2k needs to get their their shit together Cut the check for, for Mr. Wallace, and the ball's not going to lie next year. But...
0: I, I still don't like that they have the don't have 77 Blazers. They have the 77 Sixers, who we happen to be.
1: They don't have too many of the old 70s teams, and I'm not certain if it has to do with rights or what, but also what's also weird to me is there's only nine players per historical team, and then they fill out the roster with a bunch of random Johns. I would love for the rosters to be completely accurate, but again, that's... That's asking a lot, but I do love the the way you can play a customized franchise with historical teams. So I was feeling pretty frustrated with the Blazers over this past weekend as we aptly titled last week's episode, the Jekyll and Hyde Blazers. Um, I didn't want to play with them. I found I would probably end up trading 90% of the team. So I started a franchise with a 91 blazers. I added six teams. I added the 96 Sonics, the 91 Lakers, 89 Pistons, 91 Bulls and 95 magic. So there's 36 teams. Um, I'm having a fucking blast balling out with the nine trailblazers from my favorite team of all time. The team that got me into basketball, my first blazers team I've ever watched and fell in love with. So this is what it was like to have, you know, Video games back then like back then you were lucky if you had Blazers versus Bulls on NES and you'd had like six or seven players. This is playing with the old team new graphics pretty much Dustin's dream.
0: I play that my team when I'm not playing online and I got Jerome Kersey playing the four and holy shit it is fun playing with Jerome Kersey just bullying Blake Griffin bullying Anthony Davis just getting steals, running the floor, throwing oops to him. They even got his patented dunk, which I really fuck with.
1: I get so fucking hyped every time I either hit like a pull-up three with Porter or Drexler and Kersey catch an oop or just take it baseline on the break. I mean, I catch myself just like ooing and awing and even like yelling a couple times like I'm watching an old game. Um, so yes, I am very much a nerd. I very much do love the 90s Blazers. So if you don't have it, I highly recommend going out and getting that that 2K. Uh it's amazing. You mentioned there's not a 77 Blazers, and I'm pretty surprised by that. Um there needs to be one. Bill Walton was amazing and be fun as hell to play with. Hopefully you could punch people with Mo Lucas because he was probably the most badass Blazer of all time. And three, Sage, it is the 40th anniversary this year of the Trailblazers winning that 1977 championship. And We'll preview the Lakers game later on in this episode, but let's really talk about what's going to take place tomorrow night at the Rose Garden. We are honoring the 77 champs. Uh, It's been really cool to watch Duck games um, over the past few few days, maybe even a couple weeks, and you hear Bill Walton saying, you know, I'm going to be in town. I'm going to be in town for the 40th anniversary, and it just gets me excited. I, I was eight years prior to being born, but even going back, I watched... Game 4, Blazers-Lakers Western Conference Finals on YouTube the other day. And that team was so fun, Sage. They played as a team, as a cohesive unit, five players in, I would describe, like, perfect harmony. Uh, Ball rarely touching the floor, ball on a string, getting layups or wide-open shots the majority of the time. Like, they were never getting shot clock violations, going one-on-one, isolation. Beautiful, perfect basketball, And that Sixers team had more star talent. I mean, they had Daryl Dawkins. They had uh, Julius the Dr. Irving. They were a bad team. But the Blazers, they were a team. And sometimes that that can surpass star talent. And I think more Blazer fans should hold that team near and dear to our hearts because they're the only one that's done it for the city of Portland.
0: And I, I mean, there's just so much grittiness to that team. And having just two amazing passing big men. It was just so much fun to watch when we did the uh, throwback Thursday this summer, or last summer, seeing how Bill Walton just was able to handle the ball so well and then play amazing defense. It, it, it's just. Honestly, I think we should put that link to the Lakers game so other people can watch what this team has done and pay homage to them because they're just. So fun, and they did. They did win the championship for us. Better idea.
1: We just bring back the TBTS later on this year, and that's one of the games we, we fuck with.
0: <laughs> All right, I'm totally down. I, I I mean that watching that that game, watching that team was more enjoyable enjoyable for me than the uh, ninety one or the two thousand team, just because of the the synergy that the, that team had and the just love for the game that you just see when you see that team.
1: And I didn't want to short Maurice Lucas by saying that, you know, watch him punch some guy. That's not all that he's known.
0: He was a fucking bad motherfucker. He
1: was one of the best outlet passers for his size of any player that I've seen, especially in a Blazers uniform. And what I didn't realize he had a silky smooth jump shot. Like we're talking LaMarcus level jumper here out of the four, um, with range. So they were leaving him open. He was making them pay, uh, Johnny Davis was just a lightning bolt off the bench. Really, one of the first players of that era to utilize his speed, like similar to what we saw a prime Derrick Rose or a current Russell Westbrook go coast to coast and really use athleticism to get to the bucket. Lionel Hollins was your floor general, Bobby Gross, the do it all small forward, just playing gritty defense, uh, making the smart plays, and then you have Pinball Dave Twardzik. Who watch him in the finals? Like find these old games. Like he turned out to be one of my fan favorites obviously you love mo and dollar bill but towards was amazing contorting his body you know literally bouncing off of defenders but still using that english to get it off the backboard so go search these youtube videos they're out there watch this team um they're not going to be around in person for much longer like i was thinking to myself as i was walking home from work it's probably the last time they're really going to be able to honor this team. Like 40 years is a lot. The Blazers tweeted out a photo. A lot of those guys look really old. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's like they're 60 going on 70 years old. So cherish the time that they're here. Um, We've already lost Mo. I think we may have lost another one. Forgive me for not knowing that, that name right off the top of my head. But you just never know how long they're going to be together. And the Sean's is going to be there. You know, Sean's is a national fucking treasure. We know that. But I want to ask you, Sage, did you see the the Dame threes that that Lillard just um, sent out on social day that, that pays homage to the 77 team?
0: I, I have not. How how fire were they? Uh, I
1: definitely will have to pick up a a pair. Those are going to be boxed. Those are not going to be worn. They're really clean. Uh, pretty much all white but the inside of the shoe is that plaid that pays homage to Dr. Jack Ramsey um, Jack was also one of the other members who's no longer with us rest in peace and there's like stitched in sizes like June 5th 1977 the day they took down the Sixers in six games um, another reason I fucking love Damian Lillard he is one of the best Blazers of all time on the hardwood but he embraces the city really like no other player has maybe since Bill Walton um he frequently mentions that team wanting to bring a championship to this city. Um,
0: when he paid homage to him with a Exactly.
1: And when five of our six top players left in the twenty fifteen offseason, he was the one that signed the dotted line that says I want to stay here long term, put everything on me and led us to the second round of the playoffs. So I, I've heard a lot of people, a lot of chatter saying, you know, CJ's better or you no know, wise Dame struggling? You know, let's give the dude a break. Um, he has a lot of weight on his shoulders. He has carried this franchise probably for the last two or three years. We know LaMarcus probably checked out. I think once Wes went down, LaMarcus Lamarcus checked out. I think that's a fair assumption to make, um, especially if you believe the reports that he was flying alone for, during the playoffs. And You could just watch after Game 1 of the Memphis series. He just didn't look dialed in. Um, again, just my assumption, this is not set in stone. This is not a fact. Just what I saw as a fan. And you know you had Dame and you had CJ really busting their ass out there. Dame specifically, because he had been drafted sixth, he had been given the reins of the franchise, say, here, here's the keys. You're, You're running point. This is your show. He's had that since he's been 22, 23 years old, and he is now in his fifth season in Rip City. I would just like for people and fans to give the guy a little fucking slack. Yes, he's not had... the the strongest I would say two months Um, he came out guns blazing October November he was amazing I think he fell off a little bit once he got hurt is he still 100% I don't know but you know the dude plays through pain he's only missed uh, last year was the first games he's missed in in his entire career he missed seven games last year I believe he missed uh, three or four this season so he's about 99% durable which you would take from your superstar or any player 10 times out of 10
0: I mean, just just think about Anthony Davis. He has yet to play 60 games in a season. Dame's done it every single year. I mean, be, being able to play through pain and just being there is a skill, and he's got it. I mean, this year really isn't a year that we need Dame to play all 82. It'd be nice, but if he's hurting, who, who really cares if we lose another game?
1: And we're talking about Dame, quote-unquote, struggling. In January, in nine games in January, it's twenty three point three points, forty one and a half percent shooting from the field, thirty one percent from three, still getting it done at the line, ninety percent, uh, six boards, five assists,
0: six boards, six boards,
1: five assists. So we're looking at twenty three, six, and five, and that's considered a down month.
0: <laughs> yeah, six and six rebounds out of your point guard is out- outrageous. I mean that that's. Really, really good.
1: And good, good.
0: But when he has an off shooting night, you see him crash the boards. I think like last year, he had his career high when he went over some like a really bad percentage against Chicago. He got his career high in rebounds. So he affects the game in so many other ways than just scoring. When CJ goes off, a lot of those times he isn't grabbing boards, he isn't getting assists. He's more of a scoring guard dame contributes in a lot of different ways
1: exactly i think that's what a lot of people fail to remember cj's goal first and foremost get fucking buckets that's what he's there for he knows that he said in interviews i'm there to get get my looks first i'm the two guard the shooting guard i mean it's in his title that's what he needs to do dame has to pick and choose okay this game do i go out and get mine first um or should i set up my teammates there is a lot of stress and burden that goes with those decisions, especially from a score first point guard, which Dame Dame Lillard is, and there's nothing wrong with that. You've seen guys like Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook and James Harden, Kyrie Irving. They are all shoot first point guards. I just think Blazer fans need to quit being so critical of, of Dame. And I've seen this on Twitter, on message boards. The dude's having a career year. His numbers are up basically across the board. Um, he's up a point, up 26 points per game. His field goal per shooting, shooting percentage is up 4%. He's at 45% on the year. Um, rebounds up 1-5. to five. He's down maybe slightly on assists. He was at 6.8 last year. He's at 5.9 right now. You really can't ask much more from Dame. Like I don't know what else he can do besides play better defense, but he's already shouldering so much of the burden offensively when you've got Outside of CJ and maybe Mo Harkless, all the other Blazers have really taken a step backward or they haven't taken that step forward offensively. Mason's numbers look better, but that's just because I think he's getting better looks. And that is exactly the the result of penetration from Dame and CJ getting him those looks. Like Mace,
0: And probably more minutes. Exactly. Mason
1: isn't creating any offense for himself. So he's kind of um, – he's really not in that category of, of his offense taking the next step.
0: Uh, one of my friends, uh, a Denver fan, was asking me, why is Mason so good? I'm like, inflated numbers. He plays more minutes. Like His guards are finding him. He's a pretty big part of the offense. So obviously his numbers are inflated.
1: Mace is a stat stuffer, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. He's an amazing passer. Oh,
0: he contributes. In,
1: yeah, he gets uh, pretty f- good rebounds, but he gets 10 to 13 points a night. Because his guards find him for dunks, he is great around the rim. Uh, rarely is he gonna score one on one or off of his own offense. It's either gonna be a putback or it's gonna be a lob. Um, that's just how he rolls. That's his skill set. You know, deal with it and move on. But Sage, I want to touch on All Star selection. It was weighted yeah. this year: 50% fan vote, 25 media, 25 player. I believe Dame ended up overall sixth in Western Conference guards, CJ eighth. Neither is going to start in the game. That is nothing new to Blazer fans.
0: Well, was it expected at all? Yeah. No, I mean, with but two two guys averaging like a triple double. But
1: seeing those results, sixth and eighth out the west from the media, fans, and the players with Portland's you know not sterling record right now, 19 and 27 on the outside looking into that playoffs. What are your thoughts on Dame making the making the All Star team or CJ? Do you think either of them is? I don't, I don't think CJ will. No, I don't think. I think if we were having a season, the Rockets or the Jazz were, those two would be locks. But we're not, so I think we're going to be lucky to get one in.
0: I think it's Dame. If if a Blazer representing the uh, uh, us in the All Star, it's Dame. I mean, he's the the more marketable guy. He puts up amazing numbers. I mean, it's just, it's just going to be. The West has a lot of guards, so if he doesn't get picked, I don't think it's that big of a deal since the Blazers are having such a mediocre year.
1: I agree. I also think Chris Paul being out is going to help his chances.
0: I would have loved to have Chris Paul in the All-Star game back in New Orleans, but him being out definitely helps James' game.
1: And I think this season has opened my eyes to great players on underperforming teams. Sometimes... You really have to have better role players to, to make it work. Um, we saw what Dame did earlier this year. He literally put the team on his back, and we were really struggling just to even stay 500. Um, playing as-
0: One all-star doesn't, doesn't make, like, you need players to step up. Anthony Davis has dealt with lack of talent, and he, he's only brought the team to the playoffs once. Russell Westbrook, when KD was out the first time, didn't lead them to a playoffs. They need more help than Boogie Cousins them has themselves. never made a playoff
1: game on, in the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. So we have to kind of take the whole team success and I think it a bit because no one would say that Derek Favors or Blake Griffin are better players than Anthony Davis because their teams are in the playoffs right now and his isn't. Anthony Davis is the best fucking power forward in the game. I mean nobody is going to deny that. Uh, your team construction or the way your team is constructed around those superstars really determines how far they are going to go. Would you like to see Dame and AD be able to get their teams to the playoffs? Yes. They've done it in the past, though. Um, Mm -hmm. But there are also so many factors out there that I think need to take into consideration. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge made it last year, and I think he made it off of reputation. You mentioned on the podcast last year that one year it's going to happen to Dame where maybe he shouldn't make it or not be as deserving. It might even be a scenario like this where the team's underperforming. So he's still deserving, but the team's underperforming. I think after being snubbed last year, and he was snubbed the year before. He had to get in on injury um, replacement. I think he is going to make it after really thinking about it. Uh, Steve Kerr is going to be the coach. I think the coaches are going to all look at the best players. I just can't see Dame getting snubbed again. Mark Stein had a tweet that said, Dame would only be the third player in NBA history to be snubbed in back-to-back years with averages over 25 points per game. You're looking at Michael Redd for the Milwaukee Bucks, and I think he said, was it Purvis Ellison?
0: Michael Redd was my dude. I loved him so much.
1: Hold on, let me really let me find that tweet real quick.
0: So, you're you, you, the video and your audio is about a second... Fast, so it's going to take me a little longer to catch the catch the rhythm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's doable, but it's just a little, Yeah.
1: Oh, excuse me. Pervis Short. Not Pervis Ellison.
0: I have... Pervis Short... I
1: don't know who that Purvis is. Pervis Short played in 85 and 86. That's when it happened. Michael Red, definitely more recent, in 06, 07. So, Sage, we're about 25 minutes into this episode, and... We have not discussed last week's games. Normally, that is the first thing we discuss.
0: (laughs) I I was wondering when we would discuss them, but I I was not mad that we went to other topics first.
1: I am just so frustrated and peeved with this team. I wish they would just make up their goddamn mind as to what they want to do. We talked about it last episode. Put both feet in the win now, or put both feet in the let's reset and look forward to next year. Let's please... Stop with all of these close games. Most of the time, ending in losses. We're really struggling right now. Even, even, even fighting for the eighth seed. Sage, uh, the Nuggets are looking really strong right now. They had a very impressive win over Utah at home tonight, 103-93. The Nuggets are sitting at 19 and 25. Our Trailblazers are at 19 and 27. So we're a game out of eighth, but two back in the loss column. More importantly. We are 7 back from Memphis in the 7th seed in the lost column, 8 back of OKC. And we're talking 8 games back with 36 games left to go.
0: It doesn't look likely that we're getting the 7th seed. I mean, Memphis has had pretty awful luck with injuries as of late. But they still win games because of the scheme and the players are just, Excuse me. They just live My hungry. My math
1: was, was was off. I mean, it's 11.32 uh, on a Tuesday night. So we have 34 games left, not 36. So even fewer, we have 34 games left to go, which seems incredibly, incredibly low. But, you know, that's what happens. Um, Portland is in the midst of a four-day break, which is incredible. It seems like we've been playing back-to-back three out of four nights. Constantly, So we're finally getting that rest. But I almost wonder if the damage has been done, Sage. Um, everyone to, wants to talk about last year's team and how this time last year they flipped the switch. We've discussed this, I think, ad nauseum. This is not last year's team. This is not last year's Western Conference. There are not last year's moves to be made. If you're Portland do you really want the eighth seed? I know the players want to play more games, but I'm looking at that and and I'm thinking it's going to take injuries to either the to to Russell Westbrook. And we don't want, I'm knocking on wood. We don't want any injuries to Russell Westbrook or, or Marcus all Mike Conley. There's knocking on wood three times there. It's going to take injuries to those three main players in us catching fire over the course of these 30 plus games remaining in the season that a lot has to happen and i'm just not seeing yeah. the consistency from this Blazers roster and i i can't help but kind of i can't help but you know think of how ironic it was that we named last week's episode The Jekyll and Hyde Blazers Strike Again when they were the most Jekyll and Hyde Blazer team of all year this past week in this three game stretch they they were in the midst of a three game road trip or excuse me, a four-game road trip out east. They have three games left on that after losing to the Wizards by 19. Their three games:
0: Charlotte, Philly, and Boston. Right. Exactly. We
1: played okay. Charlotte tough for for a minute, but then what was a fourth, a seven-point fourth-quarter deficit? Deficit was 14 in the bat of an eye. They jumped out in a mm-hmm. 7-0 to start that fourth quarter, and they never looked back. They won 107 to 85. Uh, Kemba did his thing, had 23 points. Batum added salt to the wound, uh, dished out a game-high seven dimes. Friday was... A, didn't
0: Marco go off too? No. He didn't? I thought he made some... God, these games are just rolling into one another. I thought he did work. Marco
1: balled, uh, 13 points on five of it. Yeah, he did okay. It was
0: really... I mean, as a sixth man off the bench. or It part.
1: was really... Kemba and Batum, they combined for 40... Uh, the two bench players who I thought played the big role were Rory Hibbert, who when he tried to throw an alley-oop and somehow it went in, you knew that's not going to be your night. And then you've got Frank Kaminsky, who is the Myers-London of the Eastern Conference, hitting his open shots. Those two combined for 27 points on 11 for 18 shooting. Uh,
0: Did they make the, the lineup change this game or was it the Philly game?
1: I believe it was uh, Philadelphia. It was Philadelphia. Okay. So yeah. you, you talked about making the lineup change. Last year, it was inserting Aminu for Vonley. This year, it's like, fuck it. Let's try to reverse it. They took out Harkless and Aminu, reports where they wanted to keep those two together, inserted Evan Turner and Noah Vonley. I'm all for starting Noah Vonley. I think outside of Damon CJ, he has the most potential on this team. We need to see what he has, especially in whether they like it or not is a rebuilding year for this, this roster in rip city. And let's give him consistent minutes. I remember just being captivated by his play on opening night against Utah. Um, And you can tell, especially with, with Myers Leonard and Noah, when when they get confidence in just one bucket, knowing they're going to play more than a handful in a handful of minutes before getting yanked out, they will really play with confidence. And every player in the NBA has talent. All it takes is that belief in yourself, that one, you're gonna get. You're gonna get more than the next shot. Two, you're not gonna get yanked if you miss this shot. And three, you just get to relax and you don't overthink things. And that's when you just let true natural instinct and ability take over. And I think that's what we saw with Noah Von Ley. He played really solid. He did get into a little bit of foul trouble. Um, in this stretch of games, but he had.
0: Yeah, didn't he pick up two really quick in Philly? Yep,
1: he he ended up with ten points and five boards, but he did it on four of six shooting, and he had a beautiful step-back three over Joel Embiid, which I was like, trust that, Joel. Trust that, Trey. Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, when I when I saw the trade, uh, or not trade, uh, the lineup change, first thought in my mind, oh, all right, they pick, they pick tanking. Because you don't take your two best defenders out of a lineup and expect to win as many games with them. So, at first I thought... All right, they they picked what they they decide what they want. They played Philly pretty tough, but that Robert Covington shot was pretty spectacular.
1: Yeah, I want to go back to the the, the lineup change though. Yes, Harkless and Aminu are probably our two best defenders, yeah. but I would argue that Bonlay is our best big man defender, especially on the perimeter. And Evan Turner has shown flashes of what we expected coming from Boston and Brad. Stevens' system. So you're not getting that drop-off. I think when you're talking Portland, if you're playing with Mason and CJ and Dame, those are the three that are really have to worry about defensively. um, Really impacting the team when they're out on the court and making things a little bit more difficult than, than maybe they need to be. But that's another topic for another day. I really liked the change just because Aminu, as creative defense as he plays... Is just so sporadic on offense. You never know what you're going to get. Um, if he's going to take a couple threes a game, that's fine. But let's let's limit them if if you're not hitting. And the one thing I'll say, I, what I don't like about the lineup change is Mo Harkless feels like he's kind of reverting back to middle of last season Mo, where he kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, you can see that in the Philadelphia game. He had three points on one of five shooting, four boards in just 19 minutes.
0: I thought he was going to destroy the the Sixers that game. I thought he was going to be then a Then
1: you look at the Boston.
0: He just looks bummed out. Yeah,
1: you look at the Boston game. No points, 13 minutes, only two shot attempts, one assist. Like a, a complete – it's like he didn't even play in the game. I think Portland might need to revisit that. Maybe keep Mo in that starting lineup with Vonley because Mo reminds me of a Blazer by the name of Sharif Rahim. Blazer fans will remember Abdurrahim coming over from Atlanta in the Rashid Wallace deal. They will also remember us trying to play him alongside Zach Randolph. Didn't work. Both undersized fours that didn't really play, weren't known for their defensive prowess, so to speak. We tried to bring Abdurrahim off the bench and he just could not produce. For whatever reason, just couldn't do it. And some players are like that. They, they, they can't pinch hit. They can't come off the bench. Guns blazing.
0: It's a different mentality. It is
1: exactly one hundred percent mental, and some players have it, some don't. That's why a guy like Ginobili is so fascinating because he can do it both ways, at a at a Hall of Fame level.
0: But I mean, Ginobili is such a special player.
1: But that's what makes him special. But so what I'm saying is, I think Harkless is a little bit like Abdurahim, where he needs to start. Like he he needs to get that hit going. I don't know what it is inside his inside his mind, but it's to me it's... Well, mental. I
0: mean, it's not fair that. He was promised a starting role, and then it was taken away from him. I, th- I think that, that's a hard thing for people to adjust to, and I I think it's hard for Mo to adjust to.
1: I would be leery of saying fair and promise because, to me, it should be all about competition. If you're getting beat in practice, that dude ahead of you or behind you should get the start. Just like in college football when they have these competition Wednesdays before – you know, the games on Saturdays, you're fighting for your position. I don't care if you're the starting quarterback, you've won the Heisman, you need to fight every single week in practice to get your spot. I think that's how it should be on the NBA court as well. To Mo's point, though, he's played better than Evan Turner this season. So yes, he should still be starting if we're going strictly based on merit. It might have been hard for him to swallow the fact that Terry's like, hey, I just need to try to change something up. So if you're Mo, you're like, what did I do wrong? I thought I was, you know, probably playing the best Blazer basketball outside of Damon CJ, and now I'm getting moved to the bench.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, that whole pulling him in that Orlando game, it's giving him mixed signals. Like, is he going to be on the team? I mean, I, I don't even think Neil O'Shea knows if he's going to be on the team. I mean, we discussed it yeah, uh, last week. Who knows who's going to be on this team? I, I, I'm going to guess Damian Lillard. And that's about it.
1: So you mentioned Robert Covington. That was a game... The Blazers had no business losing. I don't care if you want a tank, if you want the loss, if you want the win. We should not have lost that game, Sage. I know Damien took all of the the brunt of that one because he missed the free throw that would have put it a three-point game. And at worst, Portland is looking at overtime. But one, Dame can't do that. One, missed free throw doesn't define the outcome of a game. And two, you've got to put away the Sixers. They were without Joel Embiid for most of that game because he kept... You know, getting
0: hitting, the, hitting ground. the
1: ground in awkward ways. And
0: did you think that dunk? He was he was hurt for a while. Dude, I gasped. That one scared me. I was so me. scared for him. Oh, as yeah. a
1: Blazer fan going through the Greg Golden Saga. I felt so bad for him and for Philadelphia fans. I gasped. I was like, no, like no, not, don't do this against the Blazers. Derek Rose <laughs> yeah. blew out his knee against the Blazers in the Rose Garden. Like Portland already has a bad stigma with injuries. I don't want other players getting injured playing us too. Like let's cut that noise. I mean altogether. Anthony Davis
0: hurt his knee. I mean, there's a lot of injuries that happen against the Blazers.
1: So I gasped. Like, he has been such a promising talent, and he wanted to come back out too. But, man alive, Covington and Ilyasova, you text me before the game, like, Erson's going to eat. Sure enough, he did. He had
0: it. I think I said it on the podcast too. He
1: had a uh, team high 24, um, and beat had 18 and 10, four blocks and five assists in 22 minutes. So fucking efficient. Uh, future is bright as hell for Philly. They just beat the Six or they just beat the Clippers tonight too without Joel.
0: So, Cat or Joel if injuries didn't exist.
1: I'm still taking Cat because of his rookie season and how amazing he was, and I think he's going to get back to that form. He is actually starting to round back into that form. Uh, they're getting hot right now too. They're living up to that. They're starting to play up to those expectations. Fun. So, Cat just for now because I've seen it longer. And Embiid, I've. I've been fooled before by Odin. Not that Odin's put up those type of numbers, but I saw the brilliances, the the flashes of brilliance with Greg, and I was like, okay, this is what we're gonna get all the time. Kat's done it more consistently, but I want to see what Embiid can do, not only through this season, but let's take the minutes restriction off and let's see what he can do. Um, but it's very close. Very difficult decision for me to make.
0: I like I like Embiid because of his personality. I think that he's an alpha and you can tell that he just loves basketball, which is a humongous thing. I mean, when you you can see players put up big numbers, but there's guys like Will Barton, Miles Bridges in uh, MSU that just love playing basketball. And I love seeing that. Yeah,
1: and bead's definitely the better uh, rim protector. Cat's the better distributor. Uh, so it's almost like pick your poison. I, I think it's like asking which color M&M do you like better, red or yellow? They're basically both delicious, Both both the same. You can't go wrong choosing either. Um, but I would just pick Cat very, very slightly because of the longevity of what he's been doing ever since his rookie season.
0: Fair enough. I mean, if, if injuries did not exist, man, the sky's the limit for Joel Embiid. But, man, bigs with feet injuries. I, I seriously can't think of another big that took two years off that was injured big two Z. years. Besides the trueness. I mean, it's tough. It's, he might be the one. He might be the other one. But you know what? That scares me. But if it was NBA 2K.
1: So the Blazers are staring at an 0 for road trip. They're already 0-3 back-to-back against probably, I still think, the second-best team in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics, in Boston. In arena, we really have gotten our ass kicked in over the years, especially recently. Um, It's a 2 p.m. start on a Saturday local time for West Coast time. Portland gets down 9, and you kind of think, okay, the wheels are going to start falling off in the third quarter, but they fought back. They outscored the Sixers 32-21 in that third quarter. Celtics. Thank you. The Celtics, like you said, these games are really getting jumbled up lately with the way the Blazers are playing. But three things I want to call out in, in that game. One, the backcourt, Damon C.J. C.J. gets 35. He's really unstoppable. I think the absence of Avery Bradley really played into Mm -hmm. the favor of that. He really dictates so much of what that Boston defense is able to do. Uh, We saw last year how much uh, he just gave the Blazers backcourt all they could handle defensively, really picking them up 94 feet, playing hands-on physical defense without fouling, and just his lateral quickness and his anticipation is second to none. Both Dame and CJ praised him, calling him the best perimeter defender they have faced in the NBA. His absence was definitely missed on Boston's end. And then you had Dame, 28 points, 8 of 8 from the line. He made a lot of clutch free throws, especially after missing that one against Philadelphia. So they combined for 68 points, which is... Probably the reason the Blazers escaped with a 127-123 overtime victory because that's really what it takes of this team to win games. But Myers fucking Leonard. Have yourself a game. I was happy for him. Those two dunks were exactly what I expected in that Orlando game. That Orlando game is something that we touched on in the pod. I was at that game. I was working um, on a video for a client and I was staring right at that. He was coming right at me. He did a soft little floater. You saw Ibaka coming, and it would have cut the lead, I think, to one or three points. The floater went off the, the back iron. He kind of shook, shook his head, walking back to the bench. This time, Jordan Mickey was standing in his way. Myers said, I'm just going to rise above you, young fella. He hammered it home twice. and You could see it felt good to him, because that second time he pounded that chest and was just like, mm, come get some. Immediately after that dunk, though, He hits a wide open three. And that's when you know Myers is rolling, when he's just catching, shooting, playing, not thinking. Everything is coming second nature. It's just all instinct basketball, which he has the talent for. I think, I don't think any Blazer fan will say Myers Leonard doesn't have talent. It's being able to put that talent on display, which is difficult for a, which separates the good from the great. But it was amazing to see Myers finally have a good game. Hopefully that just, you know, loosens the cobwebs up there. Uh, Just, just shakes it off, you know. Just I don't know, but he had 17 points, six of seven shooting, four or four from downtown, four boards. Um, really a big reason why the Blazers were able to hang around in that game. And if anything, if you if you're still a Myers, you know, I want him off the team. If anything, it showcases his talent across the league. But
0: for him, and and for him
1: personally, I was happy for him.
0: Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't hurt that the Celtics could potentially be buyers in the trade deadline.
1: Oh, most definitely. Yeah. But we need to talk about Portland's late-game perimeter defense. We saw the Detroit Pistons hit a game-winning three with Kentavious Caldwell-Pope running a simple curl, coming you know, right to the ball on the right side of the court, three. Terry Rozier did that same thing at the end of regulation, got a perfect look, which... He had no business getting that good of a look. Mm-hmm. Tied it. Um yes, I know the Blazers won an overtime, but if we were a contending team, this would be something I would be really concerned about.
0: Yeah, we'd be harping on it.
1: And I think it is still something they can use this year to work on because that game you keep referencing on the podcast about Mason Plumley coach saying, Hey, guard Marcus All, guard Marcus All. And he just goes down to the paint. And he leaves Gasol right there. Again, on the strong side of the court where the ball is literally passed in two feet away. Gasol catches it right there on the the right wing. Buckets. So that right wing, especially in late game situations, Portland needs to identify that. That's where teams are are finding holes in their defense. Um, If we're going to make a push, again, areas where they can look at and can kind of address. But if I were to tell you the Blazers have two wins over the last six games and I would rattle off the opponent's list, you would have not have said they beat the Cavaliers, especially given their, their travel conditions and the Celtics considering the back to back scenario and coming off the heartbreaking loss the night before this team is so fucking weird Sage. I, I cannot figure them out. And I don't think anybody will maybe even 10 years from now. I just, I don't know.
0: It, but. That's why I didn't feel confident doing this podcast. I have no idea what's happening with this team. We could win a game that we shouldn't. We'll lose games we should. I don't know, man. It's just a confusing team, and it, I mean, we can't do anything now. We have to write it out. I mean, we can't fire anybody because that's more detrimental than than anything else is firing. Someone in a power position. Wait till the offseason.
1: What are your thoughts on Boston? Specifically, they added Al Horford. He had 17 and 9, 5 assists. Solid. Isaiah Thomas is really that that conductor that's that's leading their charge. He had 41. As odd as it was, it felt kind of like a quiet 41. I don't I don't know why, but he had a lot of free throws towards the end. I think he got to his 10-point per game mark in the fourth quarter, but he was 14-28, so he definitely took a lot of shots to get there. I know you will not you know, knock a 50% shooter, especially at his size. It just it felt kind of quiet, so I wanted to get your thoughts. This is record-wise the third-best team in the Eastern Conference. They did add Al Horford. Um, they have all of these assets with the Brooklyn picks. They used the one on Jalen Brown last year. Do you Are you a believer in this team come postseason time with a 5'9 point guard? We saw what happened last year. They really struggled. They did not get out of the first round of the playoffs.
0: Oh, man. I think that they are a very intelligent team with depth. So I think that, yeah, having a 5'9 guard in playoff time when shit gets way more physical is frightening. But I really think the... the the team surrounding him is smart and very well coached, so maybe that will—I don't know—just bring the, the bring the role players levels up, knowing that they have this detriment, this point guard with a huge size disparity. I don't know. I I, I just trust that team.
1: I think this franchise. Um, I think this team will is is made or break excuse me this team will be they'll live and die by danny ainge's moves it's going to be a lot of hindsight it's going to be a lot of looking back and what what should have done right now you're looking at jaylen brown oh they should have gotten jimmy butler for him who knows what the scenarios were on the table um but they need to decide. They almost need to be, uh, yes, they're in win-now mode, but they need to decide again, are they going to be in super win-now mode where they're going to try to challenge Cleveland and and Golden State, or are they going to kind of do the wait-and-see approach? Yes, we'll bring in a guy like Al Horford Horford because we can and we have the money, but we're not just going to give up the likely number one overall pick for um, a Jimmy Butler or DeMarcus Cousins because we want to be good five and ten years from now as well once Cleveland and Golden State are on the decline. So it's a very fluid situation in Boston. Danny Ainge has to feel a lot of pressure to go after a guy like Paul Millsap, even the cousins. But if I'm Ainge, I don't necessarily think they need to make that splashy move. You've got Thomas taking a lot of your shots. Uh, You also have Al Horford, who is a great two or three. Um, Crowder is amazing as, as the three and D. What they need, I think they could use a guy like Ryan Anderson at the four. I just think they need more production than Amir Johnson's probably gonna give them. And I think they have one too many small guards. Um you got Terry Rozier, you got Isaiah Thomas, you got Marcus Smart, and Avery Bradley. Uh I think they could probably move they can afford to move one or two of those and, and get a good four. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, and they I'm sure that their cap situation is pretty good because Isaiah's on a cheaper contract. Jake Crowder's still on his uh, Dallas Mavericks deal. I don't think A.B. Bradley's gotten anything yet. Uh, he got so a. they have money to make
1: decent it. he extension, but that was before big money kicked in.
0: Yeah, I mean, a million, $11 Yeah, maybe. so
1: role-player money right now in this CBA.
0: Yeah. So uh, I think they could potentially offer uh, – if they're scared that Isaiah's too small, they could potentially go to the best free agent point. Oh, it's $8 million a year. That's it's nothing. a great deal. Yeah. Um, they could go to any potential free agent guard and just splash down a humongous chunk of change for a bigger guard. I know, like, Drew Holiday is a free agent next year. Uh, they Jeff Teague. Or, or they, they could, could just draft a point guard. Yeah, god damn it. Man. They could get, full. oh man, they, they're in a very good position to get a point guard if they really wanted to, and they could afford to get power forward in the free agency.
1: Before we break down this week's upcoming games, let's take a quick commercial break.
0: For you, the listeners of the Holy Backboard Podcast, Bombas is offering an opportunity to save 20% off your first order at getbombas.com slash holybackboard. Bombas is an online retailer of premium, high-performance athletic leisure socks for the whole family. Bombas socks have been engineered and designed to look better, feel better, and most importantly, perform better. Simply put, they are the most comfortable socks you'll ever put on your feet, and you'll feel good about the purchase. For every pair you buy, Bombas donates a special pair to those in need, and they've been engineered for their specific needs, and they've donated over a million pairs. Thank you, Bombas, for your sponsorship. And now back to the show.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back to the 63rd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. Sage, let's dive into this week's slate of games. We have Portland in the midst of a five game homestand, it kicks off. Tomorrow night against the Lakers, as we mentioned, we're going to be honoring the 77 Blazers, the 40th anniversary of that team, bringing Rip City its one and only championship. And they're doing so on national TV against the Lakers. It seems like we've played the Lakers a handful of times already, which we have. This is our third time playing the Lakers over the span of 20 20 days, three weeks, essentially. That's crazy to me. And we've won 10 straight over the Lakers. I believe that is the longest streak uh, in the series history, I don't see any reason why the streak doesn't continue. We seem to play them well. We get up to play them. Their strengths do not exploit our weakness. They do not have great pick and roll play. They do not have a dominant big. And
0: well, Julius Randle's okay.
1: I said dominant, sage. They don't have a dominant big. They're, they're not – Julius Randle ain't going to – he ain't scaring shit. Like, I'm not afraid of Julius Randle. I don't fear him coming into the Rose Garden. And they sure as hell do not have a guy who's going to get you 30 points on a given night. So those
0: – Lou Williams might.
1: Sage. I'm talking about, like, James Harden, a Russell Westbrook, a Steph, a KD. They do not have that player on their roster that has the ability to put their team on the back. What they can do, though, and we saw in the first game it played in Portland – is that bench, if they're going to out-hustle Portland, they can really flip the script on this game. But with Portland getting, I think, a much-needed win. So if your team playoffs, or if you're just, I fucking love the Blazers, I just love watching basketball, I want to see a win, that's cool. There's no right or wrong way to be a fan. If you're a Blazer fan and you're hoping to climb up that playoff ladder, it's these five games are now or never. It is not going to happen after these five games. I can definitively say that these five games will define whether the Blazers are moving past the 8th seed. Now, they could fall flat on their face, and I still think they could land in the 8th seed just because that is the the weakest link right now of all tiers in the Western Conference. But if you're really looking to to catch a Memphis, a Utah, um, an Oklahoma City, it starts with these five home games. Uh, We've talked all along about how Portland has such a difficult road schedule, and they really have played a shit ton of road games this year. Trailblazers have played just 20 home games, 26 on the road. So now they're making up for lost time. We've already mentioned the, towards the end of the season, I think they get 12 of their last 13 or some ridiculous number at home. Uh, they're going to they're start to get a little bit of that home cooking right now, and it starts with the Lakers, goes with the Memphis Grizzlies, Golden State Warriors, Charlotte Hornets, Dallas Mavericks. First look at that, Sage, if you're thinking moving up, you got to go four and one. I, I don't see any other option that's acceptable. If you're if you're a Blazer fan, then four and one. So let's start with the Lakers. We mentioned um, the ten game streak Portland has against them. I really think it comes down to the backcourt. They set the tone for the Blazers. When they go big this year, that seems to be the that seems to be the driving force in Portland getting W's because. We're just unfortunately not getting the consistent play we got last year from our supporting cast. So it's going to be a national televised game. Dame's going to be wearing the the the, the special Dame threes honoring the 77 championship team. We're going to have Bill Walton, the whole crew in the house. I just don't see how Portland could let everybody – not let everybody down, but just – it's hard to say. They can't let everybody down. They've got to beat the Lakers.
0: Well, I, I mean like Tara was telling me today – fan of the show. She has a podcast, the Fanalist. On, on Blazers she Edge. Told, on Blazers, she told me about uh, the the Drexler
1: Sage, can we never talk uh, about that please?
0: I don't I did not know about it until today. I mean I think I was nine. So I, I I had no idea what it was until both of you explained it to me. So that gives me pause about the whole honoring a player since they did that to Drexler, but i mean been lost when they are honoring Drexler. That's the one thing that's sticking out in my mind.
1: So the Blazers in the 2000, 2001 season retired Clyde, the glide Drexler's number 22, put it up in the rafters. The game before we're looking at March 3rd against the Warriors blew them out. 122 to 91. It put Portland at 42 and 18 on the year number one in the Western Conference. You fast forward two to three days later, it's Tuesday, March 6th, the Vancouver Grizzlies, not Memphis, the van fucking Hoover Grizzlies.
0: Was the Powell on that team? No. Oh, God. So was it Sharif?
1: It was Sharif and white Jason Williams because they had traded Mike Bibby. So it was just not a good Grizzlies team. And we struggled, B., we lost 97 to 105. I am—I kid you not. It started a chain reaction of events for that team to spontaneously combust. You can point to bringing back Detlef Shrimp, to bringing back Rod Strickland, when you already had Damon Stoudemire and Greg Anthony. Whatever it was, that team just exploded and imploded. They ended up finishing seventh in the West. So they went for—they were 42 and 18. They finished 50 and 32. So they went eight and fourteen the rest of the way. Got swept by the Lakers in the first round. Everybody remembers Sheed throwing the towel in Sabonis' face. Um, the biggest clusterfuck of any Blazer team that I can honestly remember. So much talent, maybe too much talent. So many personalities. Only one ball. Only one locker room. And Mike Dunleavy just he couldn't work his magic again. And,
0: for, and only 48 minutes,
1: bro. It, it it started that, that one night, and everybody will point back to that. How do you – what, what Clyde Drexler said, he mentioned, like, no, I, you know, I'm sorry I couldn't get it done. Like, I, we gave it our best, but I love our chances this year. I don't know if he jinxed us or what happened, but, <clears throat> but man, you can point back to a couple moments in that season. That's one of the key ones for all Blazer fans to remember. So you're right. I, I hope that doesn't happen, but the good thing for Portland is, None of those scenarios or those stakes are riding on this game. You're looking at a 19 and 27 Blazer team, which really can only go up. No, again, it could can. It can totally go down. But that's not necessarily, you know, a bad thing this year when you're already this bad. So, I'm um, realistically, you can only go go up after this game if you're the Trailblazer. Sage, you watch more Lakers basketball than I. Who
0: is still your favorite of yeah. all time, or is Dame? Is Dame getting close?
1: It's always going to. Clyde's, like, if Dame can deliver a championship, probably Dame. But Clyde is the childhood hero. I mean, he's who I grew up idolizing and emulating on the basketball court. He's who, he's the reason I I wore number 22. Um, Everybody wanted to be like Mike. I wanted to be like Clyde. Like, he was my favorite athlete of all time. And I, I met him as a kid. Just, like, that whole childhood nostalgia, you hold on to that. Like, you put that person on a pedestal because I was like the first person you looked up to. who wasn't your mom or your dad or your grandpa or grandma or, you know, your friend. Like that was my first celebrity, you know, just dude. Okay. And it still is.
0: I, I totally and completely understand that. I mean, that's how I feel about Chris Paul, even though what happened happened. I don't think I'll ever love Anthony Davis more as I loved Chris Paul. I mean, so I totally understand that. CP will always have a place in my heart. Drexler will always have a place in your heart. What were you asking me before <laughs> I interrupted you?
1: <laughs> I was saying you've watched more Laker games than I have this year.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, you had to repeat the compliment.
1: Who is somebody that Portland should watch out for that's not named Julius Randle or D'Angelo Russell?
0: Well, I mean, I, I brought him up. Yes, he he's had two really subpar games against the Blazers. It's the guy who kills it with usage rate in the second the second team. It's Lou Williams. That's who you the Blazers need to target on defense with that second unison. I mean Clarkson's scary, but Lou Williams is the person that will handle the ball. What I will say is, with those hustle bigs, those garbage bit come in. Ed Davis has to come in to match that effort and intensity because that first game, I just remember T. Rob and Tariq Black just absolutely manhandling the boards. I mean, that them being in was the was the thing that was scaring me because that that desire that they showed, no no Blazer could match that besides Ed Davis. So I think he has to have a big impact, and I think Evan Turner will as well.
1: You look at the Lakers; they're five and nineteen on the road this year, three and seven in their last ten. Probably, likely not going to make a push for the playoffs. Probably for the best if you're a fan of that franchise. Um, I think. Well, they
0: have to be top three, or Philly gets it. But
1: with that, you know, with that franchise's luck, they'll be top three. Either way, there's two ways I see Portland losing this game. One, you already mentioned hustle. If Portland loses that hustle board, which you can see hanging in the Rose Garden, rebounds, blocks, steals, that could be red flag number one. Red flag number two is hard to predict because of the players that the Lakers have. You're talking Lou Williams, Jordan Clarkson, and Nick Young all have the green light from any point on the court anytime they catch the ball. Some games they can just get hot, and right now Portland doesn't have the firepower on offense to match that. If those guys get into a rhythm early, watch out and see how Terry Stotts maybe adjust his defense. Um, This is not a traditional Lakers team in the sense of having a dominant big man like a Pau Gasol or even a Shaquille O'Neal. I know Shaq didn't play pick and roll, but um, Pau could, especially to the pick and pop, he was lethal. They don't really have that. Uh, Julius does a lot of... um, diagnosing from the elbow, the top of the key in Luke Walton's system. And he's able to rack up a lot of assists. He's already had a triple double this year, really showing why he was a lottery pick in 2014. So they don't hurt the Blazers in a pick and roll settings. So it'll be interesting to see how Terry Stotts comes out and defends this team. Um, I don't think a whole lot really needs to change from past games. Uh, The Blazers held the Lakers to 87 points on January 10th, the second fewest they've held an opponent this year. And it was 109 points the first time they played. So Stotts obviously made an adjustment that from that first game. I would like to see him go back to the same things he did in that game on the 10th of January. If Luke Walton comes out with something different, watch and see what Stotts does. It's going to be a nice coaching chess match, but you've got the shooters for the Lakers and then the hustle. Those are two ways I could see Portland losing. I don't see both of those happening for the Lakers I'm going to go with the Blazers. I'm going to say that streak goes to 11. They, they're they probably feeling really good about this win. And they know it's now or never. Uh, you would have to know they know the schedule. They know what games are coming up. They see this homestand. You have to protect home court. Portland has been a very pedestrian 11 and 9 at home this year. 55% at home. That is god awful. That needs to change. And it starts with the Lakers. The first of five at home. I think they're actually going to blow them out kick the shit out of the Lakers, maybe by 20 points.
0: I think that they have to blow him out just to pay homage to the team that won the and, chip. And swept think, the
1: Lakers 4-0 in the conference finals.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that that image of Bill Walton blocking Kareem is just super vivid. I mean, I think to pay homage to the team that won the chip, they need to blow the Lakers out by 20. And I think that they have the firepower to do it and the motivation because Dame isn't going to let them play like shit this game. I, I just have faith that this team will step up in the National uh, national televised game on, honoring the, the one and only championship team that this city's had. I, I, I think this is going to be a win. And I want it to be a big win.
1: Yeah, I think regardless of whether your team tank or team team get dubs, you should always want to beat the Lakers. Um, it's a victory no matter how bad or how good they are. I always, I cherish. I hate the Lakers. Like not hate as in like hate crime, but like hate like hey you guys fucking suck. Hate. Um, always love so seeing just, Portland beat the purple and gold.
0: So do you still have that visceral hate for the Lakers now that Kobe's gone? Or is it mellowed out a little bit? To be
1: honest, it mellowed out once they got shitty, and that they were—they've been shitty as fuck even with Kobe. So when they're really good is when is, when both teams are really good is when it starts getting more intense, and that's when the rivalry is really fun, especially during those playoff years. Um, right now, it's just—it's just fun to, to beat them. I still consider them really Portland's only rival, especially with the Sonics gone, and there's really no other team in close proximity. Um, and we just kind of I grew up with Blazer Laker games, especially Blazers Jazz, too in the playoffs as well. Um, so those teams, I definitely like to see Portland beat. But it really starts for Portland, I think these next two games we'll discuss to round out the week and if Portland is serious about making a playoff push. you've got the Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors. It will be the final time the Blazers play the Grizzlies this year. They are one and one. They split two games early this year in Memphis. They lost the second one, 88 to 86. Um, if you recall, Portland had that game one, and they really blew that game. Uh, that's the game we keep referring to, Mason Plumey and Marcusol. He let we were up 13 points against the the Grizzlies, who were without Mike Conley.
0: I mean, weren't they out without uh, Tony Allen and? Chandler Parsons. Yeah, they were without a
1: lot of – play, and they came back 13 points with like five minutes, and we just – we choked that one away. Um, I think arguably our most impressive road win of the year was November 6th in Memphis, 100-94. to CJ had 37. We know CJ loves to get buckets against Memphis. Um, This is the most important game of the season. One, it shows if the Blazers can finally – beat a team on their home court and it wouldn't be a surprise I think the Cleveland game was probably a little bit surprise. I still think regardless of record Memphis and Portland are pretty similar constructed rosters in terms of overall talent Memphis is doing what Portland did last year in terms of really grinding out victories playing with the chip on their shoulder especially with all of those injuries um, they beat the Warriors twice one game I think they beat them without Mike Conley as well um, so it's nothing new to them but you're looking at Portland and Memphis, and you're saying, okay, Memphis, you have the spot we want. You have 20 losses. We have 27. You need to get a game on the Grizzlies. One, because time is money and time is running out. Two, Portland's not going to win the division, so that's not going to be the tiebreaker. So you need to get this game to get the tiebreaker if you end up with the same amount of losses. Um, We've played Memphis tough this year so far, Sage, what do you see in the Memphis Grizzlies right now? They were really hot in the month of December, but they've cooled lately. They're just four and six in their last 10. What's going on in Tennessee?
0: And it, it might just be that the injuries are finally catching up to them. I, I think that this game has got to be a Myers Leonard game. He gets up for these ones. I mean, Zebo and Mark, that's just traditional as it gets. I think, we need to see Myers just get busy, or at least frustrate one of them. But I, I, I don't know why they're not playing well. I, I just, I, I trust what they can do on defense, and they're hungry. I would double I mean, Marcus
1: every time. I know he is a phenomenal passing big, but he single-handedly beat us. And I think you saw that with the Kings that game in Sacramento, and Boogie had fifty. We let him go one-on-one and beat us. We did not double. What did we do the following night when they came to Portland? We made life living hell for him. And he had a poor performance. We need to swarm Gasol, and we need to make guys like Jermichael Green, Tony Allen, Jarrell Martin, we need to make those guys get buckets. And if they do, you tip your hat and you say, okay, you did it. You beat our game plan. But to sit there and let Marcus go one-on-one against Myers Leonard and Mason Plumley would be pretty irresponsible, I think, of Terry Stotts. And I think it wouldn't be putting his players in the best position to succeed. And even further, we're looking at Myers Leonard, who's coming off one of his best games as a Blazer. You need to give him opportunities to shine so you can breed that confidence so it becomes a, a habit. So doing well becomes a part of his norm, part of his routine. It's not out of the blue. It's like, yeah, I expect to do well. Let's not shatter that confidence right away by letting him go up against the best, one of the best centers in the entire NBA. Yes, he does have success against that type of bigs, but let's give him some help. Let's send some double teams from from the bat, from the baseline, from the weak side, from the strong side, just from all different locations, and really give Myers a chance to shine. That's giving him open looks on offense because I think with Myers, when he starts hitting shots, his overall game really improves.
0: And if he hits shots, he brings. Gasol out from the, the, the post, which opens up driving lanes. I, I, I just think that, just based on body type and mass, Myers has to play minutes, but we should do everything we possibly can to help him on defense. But he just needs to be there as a big body. So,
1: my X Factor is going to be CJ. I mean, we know CJ is one of the best scorers this game has uh, right now, and I think if you looked at all opponents, Memphis is the one that he just seems to play the best against, which is crazy because Tony Allen is one of the best defenders in the game for whatever reason. And it might just be because he had so much success against the Grizzlies in his first real playing time in the postseason that that's just the team that he sees on the schedule and automatically his his mind clicks like, I'm going to go off tonight. Portland has players that does that to them. It's time for Memphis to get a taste of that own medicine because CJ has really did them dirty. More than a handful of occasions, I really expect him to have a big night. Uh, I don't know why, but I'm feeling a win. I, I think this team, regardless of whether you want it to happen or not, and I'll keep keep harping on that, I think they're going to show more signs of life on this five-game homestand. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to catch Memphis, but they're gonna. I think they're going to take advantage of this opportunity. And if they don't, that is probably the white flag that the season's over. But I do think they're going to start protecting the home court, and they played Memphis tough already this year. Um, I like our chances as long as we mix things up against Gasol, especially if CJ has a big night. I think he's going to have 30 to 35. Blazers eke out probably uh, a low 90s game.
0: I think that the Grizzlies win. I think Marcus Ald and Zach Randolph will probably have monster games because I mean, there's no one on this team that could potentially stop them without sending all the resources we have on defense to stop them. So I think that the Memphis Grizzlies win. And, yeah.
1: So last game that we will preview, the Golden State Warriors. um, Really.
0: Is this the last time we play them?
1: Last time we play them, I mean, they kicked our ass by 45.
0: No, is this the fourth? Yeah, it was the
1: last time we played them. So they've kicked our ass by once by 45. The other one was the slaughter as well. But we finally played them tough. January 4th in the Bay, we lost 125 to 117. I actually probably should have won that game, but we just missed too many shots down the stretch. I really want to pick this game as a win, but <laughs> not going to just yet. Uh,
0: the ballsiness of you even thinking, though, that it's going to be a win. The
1: team hasn't shown me enough consistency like last year's team that I'm like, okay, I think they could pull this one out. Now, it would it surprise me if they beat the Warriors? Uh, absolutely not we've already beat the Cavaliers and and Boston Celtics on the road um we have big wins this year we are a team that could beat anybody and also get beat by anybody uh so nothing really surprises me anymore with this Blazer team but I think it's going to be another close game but at the end of the day it's you're looking at four all NBA players you're looking at a blazer team. I think that's just going to have to play at a supremely high level. And again, as we discussed with that, that Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns debate, I haven't seen it enough. Like I haven't seen enough from Embiid. I haven't seen it enough from this blazer team to really believe that they're going to have a three and O week beating two teams ahead of them in the playoff race, including arguably the biggest super team of all time. Um, Now, if they do beat Golden State, watch out, because that really could be the turning point if you're looking for the team to get hot like last year. That, I would be 100% on that train. Just not seeing it this time. I think it is going to be close, but Durant's playing such solid defense. Um, Like the key with any game against the Warriors, limit Klay Thompson's looks. He got pretty cold that first game, and as we mentioned, let's live with KD having... The open shots, not Steph Curry. I'd rather have an A shooter than an A plus shooter shooting.
0: <clears throat> I, I think that the uh, the Warrior, I mean the the Blazers have been consistent. They've been consistently inconsistent with their play. Would it surprise me if they end up winning? Yeah, but I think it's I, I think there's a decent chance that it happens. But I think the Warriors are too good. Too well coached, too smart, too good of three-point shooters, all that stuff. I think the Warriors win, so it's a 1-2 and week for me. Yeah, I've
1: got 2-1, and but I don't think all will be lost. I just want to get this team back to having fun again on the court, and I hope that Boston game kind of showed them that basketball can be fun. Um, Season's not going the way they want, but... You get to play ball for a living, and I know they—I know they all appreciate that. So don't get my words twisted there. But we, we've talked about them playing with pressure this year, playing with expectations, and how that can really impact the way you approach a game. Instead of you know, let's just go out and have fun. If we let's surprise some people out there, just like last year, like they're not expecting anything from us. <coughs> when you have the expectation that target on your back. It is a completely different mental approach. It's, okay, we're going to take this team's best shot. We have to match their energy. I mean, you may not be up for the game tonight. I mean, you may have some family stuff going on, or you're just like, I just don't feel like playing. Um, There are a lot of emotions that go on, and it's so much easier to get up for opponents than to always be the one that opponents are getting up for. And I think Portland is starting to see that and how the tables have turned on them this year. However... Really, you. We, we said this before, it cannot get too much worse. I mean, injuries aside, so knock on wood, record-wise, it can't get too much worse. Um, we're already ninth seed tied with the Lost column with like three other teams. I think the Pelicans and Kings and um, the Timberwolves are right on our heels as well. So record-wise, we're, we're close to falling in the, in the bottom pack of the West, but it's not too big of a deal right now. It's It's either make a push for the playoffs or let's just – see what we got. Uh, Jake Lehman is going uh, to the Windy City uh, Bulls, I believe, in the D-League, so he's probably going to get a couple of games in while Portland has this break, which is a brilliant idea. Uh, We're seeing Noel Vonley get get some starters minutes. I would love to see Shabazz Napier get more consistent minutes. Uh, He's still a young player on his rookie deal. Uh, We know what we have in some of these guys, but there are some unknowns, and I think this is the perfect season to test out some of those unknowns. Try out different... Try out different lineups. Let's see what we have because barring a trade, like it or not, we are saddled with this roster for the foreseeable future. So we have got to make the most of what we have.
0: So, I mean, if if any of those players in the D League, quarterman Lehman, Shabazz... If they can turn into like our version of Jonathan Simmons or Danny Green, that's a franchise changer because he's so the player is so low paid and produces at a much higher level. If we if there's a ten percent chance that any of those young guys turn into it, we have to take it because we're doing ourselves a humongous disservice. I mean, we signed Quarterman for a reason. It's because we he had something. We could have took Steamsma. And relied on him to defend picks but we took Corbin because of the, the 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 middle reward I don't want to say high reward because that's it's on white side but like that's a pretty nice thing to have if you can he can turn into oh Danny green or who whatever Spurs uh find so I, I think that if we play those young guys and they turn into something or a chance they do we take that, and that's that's fine for this year.
1: All right, Sage, it is about 1224 Wednesday morning. I think it's time to to wrap this bad boy up. Uh, thanks again for being flexible with my schedule. I kept pushing off the recording time. You know, work was, was killing me uh, today, but you're a champ, and you're like, whatever, just let me know. Um, so thank you again. You do a great job producing this podcast, and again, Ah, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes if you like what you're hearing. Uh, give us a five-star rating. Uh, send, write us a little review. We re- we'd really appreciate it. Um, we're also on Stitcher and SoundCloud and Google Play at Holy Backboard PDX. Also on social media: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Holy Backboard. Sage. I will be going to the game tomorrow. I definitely
0: want. Oh, that's I definitely
1: want us to see us win. I've got my 77 gear. I'm gonna be wearing. Uh, I hold that championship near and dear to my heart, even though I wasn't alive to witness it. I suggest all Blazer fans do, too, because it's still great that we got that tag on the back of our jerseys that does say, at one time, the Portland Trail Blazers were champions of the world. And one day, we will be again. But until then, we're going to keep talking hoops, and we're going to talk hoops long after that. So, good night, Rip City.
0: Let's go.